This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Today on Lowell's, our good friend Ricky D swings by. He's got some thoughts on some stuff we've been discussing around these parts. And of course, the dramatic conclusion to Brian's DFS Tout Wars bracket all today on Lulz. I Does he think, I think he thinks go. this, he thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. Type in one for yes, two for no. Let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. <laughs> Please don't do bus. Ricky, welcome back to the show. You were going to maybe try to swing by last week. That got derailed, so uh, we're, we're happy to have you, though. Oh, for sure, guys. Thanks for having me. Let's do this. Let's do this. Brian, how are you doing today? All right. Um, had a couple uh, drinks last night, but uh, just Uh-oh. a couple. <laughs> it's a good like day out, to do it on a Wednesday. Yeah. Out out in among society no, no. or just no, your own? God, no. Okay. Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just lonely drinking? Uh, uh, yeah, I was watching like Star Wars. And uh, that's the loneliest drinking of all. <laughs> yeah, left that uh, yeah. I can't, I can't even like drink like six drinks anymore. It's just like, then it's like, oh man, I don't even feel right in the next morning. It's pathetic. It's good for you. I've, I've had a, I've started to do better with moderation for alcohol, but my one Achilles heel is if I open a bottle of wine, I'm finishing the bottle of wine. Like I can do one or two beers now, but for some reason the, the wine is just donezo once I open it. Yeah. Is it sad that like back in the day, one bottle of wine is like, that's like fucking nothing, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one bottle. Is that sad? Or is that just us being mature men, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of our responsibilities? That's right. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, Brian, let's first get into this. I mean, we had the dramatic conclusion to the uh, the Tout Wars bracket. Very controversial. I saw lots of people saying a fix was in. Um, can you at least, I mean, last week, this was on a snail's pace to finish. I thought it was going to be about 2024 until we wrap this up. But the selection committee really got moving, Brian. They did, yeah. Uh, Petty Theft got me riled up saying i wouldn't be able to complete this so uh, i had a and then and then like tuesday rolled around i'm like shit he's right i'm not gonna be able to do this so i'm just gonna have to jam it all in right here real quick uh why why haven't you done an updated graphic with the champion i mean are you waiting for stat corrections to come in uh <laughs> i thought well we we're gonna talk about it on the show uh what are we looking at a, there might be a lawsuit against oh. etr wow in the books and they're they're wow look at that it seems it seems suspicious, I gotta say. Yeah. Despite the yeah. ETR Russian bot farming, Pete mm-hmm. still pulled out the championship. I mean, it was uh, you know, to recap here for the audio listeners, we did have a couple major upsets. You know, Leone taking down Big T, the 16 <laughs> over the one. I took down hoop. No one saw that coming, 15 over the two. And then it was a heavy ETR. Uh, semi-final here, Leone, Levitan, Silva, uh, and me sneaking in there. And I got the job done. But, Brick, first, I mean, what happened against Leone? I mean, you were administering this yourself, and you got bounced in the second round. I mean, theoretically, your audience would would vote for you as the person who was doing these polls. I mean, this is a tough yeah. scene, man. Either <laughs> I, I uh, hate 60% of my audience or <laughs> – there was a ETR bot farm which came in around round two there, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I they thought about I thought about for a second like uh, leaving the bit aside. To, like I thought about I will just I'll just not mention it at all and then put me in the next round. It's like what? You <laughs> <laughs> said anything? <laughs> in the first round, I thought about for uh, you know how I wrote like uh, based on any metric you see fit for me versus Maddox. I was go based on height. Who is taller? 
<laughs> Brian Brick seventy five six one or Davis Maddock five three question mark. <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, uh, I decided to play it straight. Uh, Ricky, any any big yeah. surprises here for you? Any anything you thought uh, should have gone down that didn't? Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts. I mean, we'll get into a little bit. Like, I'm not surprised that uh, it's fairly centric on the sort of circle that it kind of exists in this universe for you guys, like the ETR guys doing well, obviously. Uh, the, 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 I, I got a kick out of the run pure. I, I, I kind of feel like this is a little bit of a setup the way you did the, uh, the brackets. <laughs> what? <laughs> in, terms of, in terms of the, uh, in terms, like this was sort of like, I don't know if this was brought up last week. This is your kind of subtle way of dunking on run pure, I think, by, by giving them this huge upset, knowing that the people you put against them, that's my kind of conspiracy theory that's there, but I like it. Faceless I, 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 accusation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, about it. They were ranked one and two. I mean, the selection right. committee was yeah. clearly uh, being fair. The selection <laughs> committee had has some interesting, um, yeah, selection <laughs> processes here, but I like it. I, I appreciated the bit if there was one, so I like that. The uh, selection co- committee did admit uh, that Ethan Gate in the ten spot might have been a mistake. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> there was some odd choices. I'll give you that. I think my favorite thing is EG, like almost like RG, but EG for Ethan Gate. I just, uh, I absolutely love that. <laughs> Kandia being an odd choice too. <laughs> hey, who's on Team yeah. Walt? Uh yeah. Is he? So, <laughs> no. Brian, what what do I win for yeah. winning this talent bracket that was clearly unbiased? There was no rigging. Very fair. Yeah. Well, we like we play for pinks, so yeah, okay. you own. ETR, Roto Grinders, uh, Stochastic, and of course, most importantly, you now in the War Rooms. That oh, and Run Pure. Oh, well, that's, that's so congr- congratulations. So, J Mac, I don't know if you heard that, but you got to change your own flat tires now, buddy. Now that I own the War Rooms, you're back to being a man <laughs> of people. It's like a prima nocta situation. Uh, Brian, how, did, how successful do you think this endeavor was? It did require lots of tweets from you, probably a volume of tweets you're normally uncomfortable with, but you did have to <laughs> stick and land this bit. Is this going to be something that we see coming back uh, in future years, or is this a one and done uh, enterprise for you? I think someone else should post it next. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> it's not a good feeling getting beat on your own Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, on your own home court. Well, you're going to get that, that just implies you're just going to get your ass destroyed on a neutral ground. That's fine. I don't care. Yeah. I, I won. I won that first round. Honestly, after I started the bit, I wasn't going to do any of it. And then I started posting. And I'm like, shit, now I'm going to post myself. I can't fucking <laughs> lose the Matic. This is going to fucking be. Yeah, at least you got the one dub. That's like impressive. Yeah. That's fine. It's- I got one. I got one W under my belt. It was Matic. I'm, t- I'm taking that to the bank. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I lost Leone. Whatever. Fucking rigged anyways. It's like uh, the biggest TikTok trend right now is just high schoolers and they go up and interview each other and they'll be like, uh, who's the who's the hottest girl in the school? And then they go and like interview that girl and they say, rank the guy who just said you're the hottest girl in the school one to 10. And it's just kids like brutally ranking each other. And I'm like, good God. I mean, I can barely handle a poll on Twitter. How do these kids do it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, we always talked kids. about like when we were in high school how much how much better it would be if we would have had these apps and stuff and like oh my god all the girls at the, all the other schools and it's like this is assuming you can get girls it's like yeah. if you can't get girls at your present school probably <laughs> well, not gonna be so good for you like yeah. uh, it doesn't it doesn't zero. work like that's evenly distributed unfortunately right but like yeah and that's like exhibit a right there the tiktok example like that could have went really bad for you in high school get out of here travis petty my my tiktok <laughs> now though is exclusively uh baby and dad content now i but trust me this is the prevailing tiktok trend it transcends algos i'm not creeping on high school girls need to put that i don't know first. i think that's a great question no please please don't <laughs> levy these accusations against me uh what what's new in your world ricky are you grinding uh dfs you playing nfl what's going on yeah, um, play. I basically is my biggest sport is NFL. Um, I grind it pretty hard. It takes a lot out of me every year. It's kind of the only thing I really care about um, in terms of DFS. Like baseball is like kind of like whatever. You just kind of do, run some projection bullshit. You don't really. There's not a lot of like 
micromanagement to do there. And then all the other sports I don't really play anymore. So football, I grind pretty hard, go all in on a lot of the high-end contests. I've been pretty close this year, a couple Millie Maker sweats, got like top five a few times, won the Wildcat. So I'm doing pretty good. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been, it's an interesting season so far. I've been kind of watching your guys' content, watching sort of the general narratives that have started to emerge this year about how the field's super sharp and, you know, the ownerships are getting a little bit harder to predict and there's all these sort of like leveling contests going on. And, um, yeah, I just want to kind of wanted to talk about that type of thing here today uh, as my main sort of general thing we're talking about. Yeah, it sounds don't like give, I can... don't give away too much. All right. Oh, yeah. 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 I got I got the secret sauce, boys. Don't worry. I got I got it all figured out. <laughs> Remind me, are you are you MMEing or are you mostly uh a hand builder? What are you doing for these? Oh no, I'm strictly full process, very similar to Brian. Like I got a full on like you know, custom built, you know, model and, uh, and and generator and everything. So um, it's pretty advanced and um, I've spent a lot of time on it. So it's, it's, it's full MME 150 and maxing everything. So, so in the, no, even in no like the, sing, the single entries um, three max stuff, or you just kind of Rand function and, and drop in whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a pretty, like, I don't know how many people do this, but like most, like I have a, a different segmented group of rosters for, you know, under a thousand entries, under 500, like it's very like kind of complex in terms of the way it like I redo ownership for all different uh, game types. So it's like under 5,000 and on, like under, you know, greater than 5,000 and then million maker type stuff. So I have like five different roster segments and like I've back tested this against the field sizes and how they, you know, change depending on the game sizes. So it's not like I'm like just randomly throwing rosters in. I definitely have like a, a good process to determine which rosters to throw into those like three max type games. And it yeah, sounded you can, like you can't you were... do that in showdown too, for sure, because like a good lineup in the Millie Maker is not going to be good in the, the no. luxury box. It's going to yeah. probably be a piece yeah. of shit in the luxury box. Yeah, sorry, Pico. Yeah, actually, I've oh, yeah, no. had five different five different um, methods for those showdown games too. You, uh, what, what was your thought? It seemed like you were maybe a little skeptical when you were kind of saying those narratives about the field yeah. being sharper, ownership being all over the place, the leveling stuff. Where, where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, I do think a little bit of his is overblown. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I was going to ask Brian, what he thought about, what do you think? Like there's a, there's a segment of the population that like is very dedicated to like grinding content that like this. And they're like, they subscribe to like the same type of content that like we probably all do. And it's sort of like a, within a, a bubble of itself. But I do wonder how much credit we're giving the field here for being on that level. I, I don't know if we're there yet quite with like, there's a couple examples that come up every week, like Rashad Penny a few weeks ago. And what was the last week? Like James Robinson was oddly yeah. high. And like, um, there's those like one-off types, but like for the most part, I find ownership to be somewhat predictable and in line with like past years, but there are, there is certain a trend emerging in that direction. I, I do agree. I just wanted to get Brian's take on his thoughts first. Um, I don't do my own ownership for NFL, but um, I know it seems like to me ownership's been kind of the the uh, what the pay site ownership, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. has been a little off the last year or so. Um, like just my gut, I haven't checked this, so just my gut instincts, like, hey, that's kind of not that accurate. Mm-hmm. The next day. Um, but honestly, I haven't I haven't really looked into it that hard. Is that is I didn't even know that that narrative was going on that the fields are sharp and stuff like that. So that's not. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm just this is like just from some of the content I I, I grind each week. I, I do a decent amount of like podcast grinding, and a lot of it's Pete's content and, and various related to that. So there, there's there is that's what I was wondering about. Is it just sort of like do you think that's like a possible thing with your sort of circles, Pete? That it's like kind of maybe like you know the etr guys and the ship chasing guys and like those types of people seem to always all have this take and but i'm not sure so sure it's outside of that bubble well i think there's probably two different conversations right you guys would be able to speak better to are the fields sharper based on like the kind of lineups and stuff but i do really think the leveling stuff is happening where that thing of now so many people who play tournaments are consuming tournament content 
chalk established. We're reacting to that, playing the best plays. But then because so many people are quote unquote GPP bros now that we've entered this, this leveling stuff where it's like the guys who get steamed, these second level plays that seem like good GPP plays end up being bad plays relative to the actual best plays. I do think that's happening. Yeah, that's definitely happening. And I mean, it's not like it's a brand new thing. It's like, I'm pretty um, just like, ownership has been my main focus of like of learning how to like operate around for the past few years. I like studied really hard and I've come up with my own decent algorithm to determine it. And it's just more or less like, it's something that has definitely kept emerging towards this. And I don't think it's like a huge jump this year. And I actually do think there's ways to get ahead of that. Like it's, it's almost like, in ways where, you know, you can come to, I guess, like out level the, the field. And I was just wondering if Brian was doing anything like that, but I guess not, but um, it, because the, the, the most the thing about ownership is like, it is extremely, when you're doing it from like a, a modeling perspective, like when you're trying to generate lineups with like a system and a process, your, your inputs, your accuracy of your inputs are just like so vital, like being off on like, those particular guys like that end up being a bit higher. If you think they're going to be good plays and your ownerships are like five, 10% off, you just, they become like extraordinarily bad plays, honestly. So yeah, it's, it's a big problem from, from that perspective. And that's what like Leone had told us for some of his internal stuff, like that Rashad Penny. Oh, fuck league. him. No. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, sorry. Controversial subject here. Uh, that, you know, it, it, he looked like one of the best plays in his model heading into the slate. And then when he plugged in the ownership after he dropped down to one of the worst plays and again, yeah. just showing that was a 20% swing in ownership goes from the best play to the worst play. It's crazy. And like, it's funny. Cause like when it's, I, I think most people don't consider it that like hairpin, like, like that close between good and bad. I think most people are like, Oh, he was 10% owned projected. He came in at 16%. Oh, well, like, you know, that's fine. He's still like, not it's not hundred percent. Right. But like those like really small things end up making a huge difference. Cause like at this point, you know, the, where's the edge, right. In in this game, like the edge is going to be getting as accurate as possible and being off on all these things on the aggregate is going to really harm you. So do you have any finesse element to your play in the same way you can listen to blender talk and how he grinds so much content and is really trying to see what the field is doing like are you putting any like of that the soft skill stuff element into it being like hey everyone's talking about james robinson this feels off yeah. to me yeah for sure i mean that's like i i i kind of i've developed this like thing that i i i feel like i don't i'm not a huge fan of but i i grind all this like the, the like the world's podcast, right? Like I grind, just get it. I grind the, the Brown Pure podcast. I grind some other ones that I'm not like, a, like I wouldn't do because I'm like trying to learn about, you know, DFS. I'm just trying to get a general sense for what the average man is thinking. And like, once there's a consensus, like, oh, they, they all say the same things. You're like, oh shit, there's definitely something up here. Cause I'm not sure how else, how else you do it. Like, obviously you can use projections to sort of guide your ownership takes, but again, you're going to have to start making assumptions about how the field is seeing which guys are coming in low and then which ones they like, because it's not obvious every week. Well, and that's, what's I think also really interesting about ownership projections is they're mostly driven by, you know, automated systems kind of looking how mm. frequently plays are showing up in optimals that ends up being the benchmark. Like uh, I might be wrong, but I don't think, like Osmo and those guys are doing a ton of like manual steam tweaking to theirs. I know Adam I does, does some to ETRs, but it, I don't know who is really fully accounting for that stuff in their ownership, but no one's coming in and like adding 10 percentage points to James Robinson. Right. It's a, it's a very hard thing to do. Cause like it, you add, cause if you were, if you did that on your first gen of your ownerships, everyone would be like, what the fuck? What, you know, why is, why is James Rob, you know, he's not even high projected, you know? But like, so it would, it, it would be a very difficult thing to do. And it's, it's, and when you're wrong, it's just like, it's, it's, it's just disastrous. So it's a lot safer to just go with that sort of auto-generated ownership projections. And I agree with you. The Osmo projections are very much, you know, robotic and not really thinking about the field play very much. Um, the, Marco says, if only there was a website where we could vote on which players are the best plays, uh, inter whistles go woo here. I mean, uh, maybe we need to just leverage him for our, 
for our ownership. We uh, haven't uh, migrated to that site lately. Who knows what he's doing over there now? I don't know. Is anyone anyone used to lately in chat? What, you know, what is that? I'm not familiar. Think you didn't? Oh, you didn't see our last whistles interview? Mm, must, must not have. Yeah. Um, well, you should go back and watch it. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't come on this show without watching our entire. Even watch. Yeah. yeah. Um, what did we do in episode three? Answer that. No. Um, <laughs> the uh, actually nothing. But uh, he yeah, he he did this. Uh, he has his whistle goes woo site, and you could go in there. Like he, the idea is like you could vote on over or under or whatever props or something, and try to mm-hmm. like do the wisdom of the crowds type of thing. Yeah. You, I, that's the type of thing you need a lot of participation really to get valid data, right? Yeah, you need you need huge participation. I'm not sure it's like I don't know, you like you honestly you should go show. I'm yeah. not sure how beneficial that would be honestly, like because um, it, it's it's useful like in the you know the classic example of you're in a mall and they have like how many marbles are in this bowl or jug or whatever like that's pretty useful wisdom in the crowds and this i'm not sure it's it's that useful expertise is probably better well but, the, the data you go ahead oh no, no i was just gonna i was gonna say if if you were to set out with the goal of determining like which people in which sites are actually moving ownership like would it even be possible to try to quantify that like at least with etr you could be like they're doing their flag plants they're legit saying they're four best GB, that it like would give you a starting point, but is that even possible to to come up with a good quantifiable way to catch steam? That's kind of where I was getting at. Like, I really think it's a little bit overblown to say that. Like, I heard uh, Dink and uh, Leone, or, or maybe it was you and Dink talking last week about how the flag plants are driving ownership, and it's like, okay, like you know, these streams get like thousands of views. You know, it's not like they're getting you know the entire. I, I just wonder how much i i just I, I, it's hard for me to buy that they're, they're moving the market that much um because then it's not only like everyone who's listening is just going to automatically do what they say right like there's there's an element of that but like there's a lot of people who play dfs that don't, aren't even aware of like what etr is right so um i really don't think that we're at the point where you could just automatically but yeah it's a great question to ask like obviously there's some level that it's driving the market to which degree i don't know but don't you think it's like, I completely agree, like the Millie maker, I mean, the amount of, pers- mm-hmm. you know, people listening to establish the million there is, is, you know, super small, but then you get up into the spy and any of the single entries, it's like, yeah, let's say they have 3000 people who listen to establish the million. I mean, you could legitimately say 50% of yeah. $100 spy entries, like listen to that show. Yeah. And the, the, the interesting thing that I think is really at play here is I think a lot of sharp players not only listen to the same type of content, but also come to the same sort of con- like natural conclusions that like Leone or Dink will. Like last week, I think they were on like Kittle or McLaurin or something. And I was like, oh, yeah, those are good plays. And I was thinking about it. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should boost their uh, projection to get them in play a little bit more. But then, but then I listened to like two or three other podcasts and two, two other guys mentioned the exact two plays. And my ownership projections for like Kittle and McLaurin were at like two or 3%. And they ended up being like nine and 10%. I was like, well, yeah, ETR probably had something to do with that, but I also think like everyone's kind of trained to think the exact same way. So it's not necessarily, you know, it's two things moving at once. It's like everyone is coming to the same conclusions because that's how DFS has always been played and that's how it's always been beaten. Uh, I want to get clarification from our our friend here, Nerdy Tenor. It might make more sense to think of ownership and yeah. segments. What uh, ownership by like contest segment or am I missing it? Contest size segment? Do you guys have an means, idea what he might? I'm, I'm guessing he means like a range of outcomes for the ownership rather than like hmm. a specific number. Hmm. Like just like a, a broad, broader range. I know this is yeah. a tough question. Hey, say more words. But yeah, don't yeah, say too much. much. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, the, the reality of the other stuff is it's extremely hard to use this like, you know, through a process that's like meaningful. Like a lot of people are just like out here, you know, doing their best. And, um, but like, cause to a, to a normal person, if you said to them, Oh, you know, Kittle's a great play. He could go off this week. He's, he could be three to 5% on. They're going to be like, he comes in 8%. Do you think anyone's going to care? Like the average person? Like, no, but it does have a, that's actually pretty meaningful. 
Well, and it, to go back to the, like, is the field getting sharper? I mean, my videos are still, like, I had comments just completely incredulous. How could you say Rashad Penny was a bad play when he went off for 30 points? Like, there's yeah. still a lot of people yeah. who even are consuming content that can't grasp that. Uh, and so, but people can listen to content and hear a play and say, someone gave me approval that this is a good, smart, contrarian right. play. I'm just going to jam that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah he so, was, yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm thinking by population. So ownership for casuals and then what we're arriving at. Ownership is hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is that. There's like, that's why you do. I think anyone who's playing seriously needs to have at least two separate sets of ownership. One for the millimaker. That's sort of how all the sites generate their ownership. And then for whatever, like other contests they're playing, they need to have a completely separate level and you can somewhat predictably, um, determine which players are going to get steamed up there. Um, from like an algorithmic standpoint and then use your own manual kind of the third level would be like your own sort of manual tweaks. The, the secret to that is like not necessarily just knowing who's going to go up, but also who's going to go down. Yeah. Brad, do you have uh, I, I assume you're not making any manual adjustments really in your stuff for, for ownership steam. Like if, if you saw everyone on your timeline talking about James Robinson last week, would you go in and, and give a little boost? Um, I ha I have done that. Like even in my own stuff, I try not to. Uh, like my public projections I put out there, I try not to do that. But you gotta uh, you gotta learn to trust yourself a little bit more there, Brian. Sometimes I do. I I'm telling you, when I got in after poker, man, I don't want to make any goddamn more decisions. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true. It's, do that it's very... for eight years, making yeah. thousands of decisions constantly, and then it's it like, is. no, I can. I want to do this pre-game. Yeah plug it into something and spit that shit out. And so like, it's hard for me to go away from that, like kind of initial thought that got me into DFS. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't know. I keep thinking like, you know, Pet Petty's watching this. Like, like if, if, if like your game is like using ownership, uh, like in a lot of it, I don't think there's anything wrong with adjusting using your, you know, experience and listening to all these podcasts just taking the the pay sites aggregating them and then adjusting them i think that's an excellent strategy would you would either of you uh say they're a group of people uh hired a couple content mules and you gave them the list of the podcasts <laughs> and the shows you wanted them to listen to and you would come up with some kind of a rubric as far as these players were heavily emphasized as good plays maybe it's on like a one to ten thing and then you got some report at right, you know, two hours before lock. Would that be of of interest to you? <laughs> See, I've actually done some things like that with like paying guys to do various grunt work type stuff, and I don't know. I've had bad results. That's all I could say. <laughs> um, it's like it's like they can only be as good as like their knowledge is. Like they're not knowing what to listen for, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like. It's like they end up listening to like the things that make sense to them and stuff like that. So I don't know. I I think there's it's in theory pretty good idea, but in practice, it's very hard to execute. Yeah, the the you know it make me think about fantasy labs back in the day when they would have their ownership projections. If you guys remember, and it'd be like LeBron James between twenty and fifty percent. It's like yeah, thanks. I remember that. Oh, yeah. it'd be like forty percent and above. Right, yeah. <laughs> they, they had those other ones too like five to 15 it's like well that's kind of a big difference um but honestly that is what it is it's like like 30 percent does mean 30 percent. it's like between 27 and 33 or something like that and it's gonna it's gonna ebb and flow it's not i mean and then you know if you got like my pga today was or yesterday i guess was really good and but this is like i could go and post that screenshot on twitter and but it was just because i got a little lucky you know what i mean just because yeah. it was like dead on the top guys were dead on and then once that happens it makes your other stuff look better because it has to equal 600 right and golf anyways yeah and so um you know but but in reality it's like uh sung jm was between you know 37 percent or 30 percent something like that would be and, you know, all these lineups just have a chance of actually being in the field. And sometimes they have a chance of being in the field multiple times. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they will. So just to, like, simplify things even further, because it does seem like it's conventional wisdom that uh, chalk uh, or 
or let's say steam will condense in small field and mid to higher stakes relative to the millimaker where it's more smoothed out. Why do you think that is? I mean, it's a combination of just, I mean, just the sheer volume of players, like the amount of like, if you look at some of the rosters, like you, you get players that are even in rosters, like you, you, you just get some bizarre, you get backup running backs all over the place. You get like fourth string receivers, like, the guys who are playing these, that you're just going to expand it to players who aren't just taking it seriously, and then they just aren't building it so suboptimally that you're just introducing so much more randomness to the to the roster sets. I think you're talking you, you, so single entry versus millimaker, Pete. Yeah, yeah. So, but one of part of that is also it's good strategy. The more combinations you're playing against, the less chalk you just want to play inherently. So the yeah. when you when you're playing a five thousand man single entry GPP. You don't need to get so crazy, and and any sim will tell you take that. that to heart. Yeah, and I think I think a lot. That's what, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, this might be a little bit of a, 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 a tough combo. You going to give me a dangerous tough, tough, tough combo? I'm tough ready combo. for it. Yeah, but I do think I, I was just going to bring up this thing. Okay, so you got everyone's familiar with this man named Chipotle addict, right? Um, if you look at his rosters, which I've done for like the past fucking five years, because the guy just drives me nuts. <laughs> in terms of how successful he is and his brother, um, they are not exactly going off the board. I will put it lightly. Um, like if you look at the rosters in any almost any contest, even like the, the Wildcat, they're playing highly chalk, like high, high n numbers of chalk, like cumulative ownership over 200% sometimes, like I've seen. And you're like, what the hell is this? This is just a cash game. And you're like, this guy's winning the Millie Maker every, every like three times a year. And I think that there's some weird trend in DFS where, you know, with DFS, all the plays are on the table. You know, it's right there. All the good plays or all the, you know, you can see their entire rosters. Like, you can't see exactly how it was derived, but you can see that Chipotle Addict's probably the biggest winner in the history of DFS. And you can see his rosters and they're chalky as fuck. And you, then I hear, like, people who, you know, are kind of, you know, trying to learn the game and struggle a little bit. And they're, they're, they're fading, like, both they're automatically fading tight end chalk and automatically fading defense chalk automatically fading running back chalk. i'm like ah, well does that make sense if chipotle addict is not doing that and it's like i'm not sure if you if you want to just have a good starting spot to learn dfs is just to look at the best players and see what they're doing there's also an element too of like they're playing a massive portfolio of lineups on a given slate versus a lot of players if you're playing one or two lineups and you're thinking what's my closest path or my easiest path to getting first place in a tournament versus having that big of a portfolio and trying to realize ROI as a professional player. Yeah. And it, it really comes down to knowing, you know, exactly how to be the game you're trying to be right. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's like, yeah, if you look at their Millie maker rosters versus their, you know, you know, their luxury box or whatever, it's going to be significantly different. Um, but I do think they have a process for, for all those things as well. Like, I don't think they're just like randomly putting in rosters or anything. So mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's just, there's something to be said for like a lot of this information. Like there seems to be a lot of debate in the community about like, well, what do you do with chalk tight ends or what do you do with chalk defenses? And I see, I have some conversations with ETR guys about this. And like, they laugh me off the table for playing chalk defenses. They think I'm an idiot. I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, every single winning player does it, but you guys are, you know, you know better than me, I guess. I don't know. It's just like uh, it, there's debate that I think people people are very drawn to like rules and like you got to do this. You can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's very nuanced. Like it's all math. Right. So it's not like you can just it's it, to have like a hard and fast rule in DFS is very dangerous. And it is true. It's like the whole reason and it's less of I feel like it's been less of a topic this year the past few years it was like double stack and a bring back you know as the yeah. thing partly because it eliminates it goes back to Brian's decision thing the amount yeah. of decisions I have to make for this lineup is so much smaller if I have fill out three spots with four players right there by double stack and a bring back or whatever yeah. it's like all right now I only have five more spots to fill out like I do think in general we want to reduce decision making just as humans yeah and just I'll say one thing on that. Like, I think the game, the DFS game, as the edges are so micro that, like, you really want to avoid that type of thinking because, like, at this point, you're only going to get edge if you're doing a little bit of an extra something, right? So, like, going into this thinking, oh, I'm going to, like, just have some automated process and blah, 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 and win. It just seems, it's at this point, I don't think that's realistic. 
I'll also like self analyze myself a bit because I'll know, you know, how where there's the people who are like, uh, oh, wide receiver cornerback matchups, or I want to know how this team did against zone coverage on a full moon. And you're like, what, what's going on here? There's no Brown, stickiness. Bro. But yeah. I know the reason they're doing it is because the edges are so thin and you like to feel like you yeah. have an edge or that you've uncovered something that your opponents don't know. Like that yeah. feeling that feels good, right? And so I think for me sometimes too, where it's like in GPP bros, where it's like everyone knows the best place. Like that's easy. That doesn't feel fun. I want to feel like I unearthed the sub 5% guy who goes off and you win a tournament. Like that is an intoxicating yeah. thing to chase. Yeah, of course, because I think a lot of the times, like it's so, it, this is how it's like weird. It's like, it's almost unrealistic to win the GPP. But if you win that little moment of being right about something kind of micro about the games, that's kind of how we're like, that's what we're left with. You know, when we can't win, well, at least I got that right. And I feel good about myself. And it goes the <laughs> other way. Like all the TJ Hawkinson guys are like, Pete, you're an idiot. You didn't play TJ yeah. Hawkinson. I was like, show me your roster where you won. No one's sending yeah. me their winning. Right. Like, okay, you got a mid cat. Like that's the other thing. They feel good about nailing that element. It's like, well, none of us fucking won, which is what we're all trying to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just go with the, like, just say, Hey, congrats for your big win. Like where let's see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it all comes down to kind of that thing I, I harp on a little bit is like, well, how, how are you quantifying what you're putting in? Like, we know the ownership on, on Hawkinson is, is high. So how do you know whether you should go under or over? How do you know? Like, what are you doing to get, get there? And most people are just like, most of the, I was going to say this earlier with the ETR uh, influencing discussion. What, do most, what can most DFS players do with, with ownership? And the main thing is, is just lower, just go under. That's really all they can do. They can't go over. What, what are they going to do to go over? You know what I mean? Like, if yeah, if you just plug it, plug the numbers without ownership into an optimizer, you're going to go over, right? It's going to give you a shit ton of the chalky players. But if you're using ownership to adjust your 150, what can you really do? Basically, just go under. That's, I mean, if you're, I'm saying like an inexperienced guy who's trying to fuck with this, you know, and like, I know ownership's bad. What should I do? Well, that's high. I can only go under, right? So, like, I, I think that might be going on something like that too. Plus, I do think ETR is influencing the field. Like, just look at the fucking tout wars, Paul. I mean, clearly that was Russian bots as well. But you know, but, they, you know they, I mean, they the field the most, buddy. That, whatever Pete says, obviously <laughs> must be. Did you tout James Robinson? So, like, I think that, I think those, those are two things. Is like one is just like okay, what's Chuck? Okay, I have to go under because I have no other skill set. Than just and I, you know I'm reading into like a style I don't really know about. I mean, it seems like you disagree with me. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, I don't. Well, I don't disagree. I, I mean, I think that's like the very first decision you could possibly make. The the problem is, I really think like with most players is like their instincts about what a good play is and what they're trying to jam in and all that based off of things like Pete was just talking about, like you know the full moon cornerback thing or whatever. It's like. You, like those are so already thought of by the field and and then some like you should really train yourself to like like the hardest thing at dfs to do is like have some sort of internal gut feel about this play is awesome or whatever and then you, you have to assign that like more ownership because you you have to assume that you are not the special snowflake that discovered this edge on your own you have to go in there into your model raise the ownership on that guy and fucking fade that guy that you so had the strong desire to play. That's the hardest thing to do in DFS. I think it's interesting, Brian, that you said one of the things like, you know, with ownership that you can use in a blunt way is just like going under. And I think you could almost, you know, one thing we've seen successfully too, and I'm not, I've haven't done this enough too, is, is going over, right. Where it's like, Oh, the, the Tampa Bay pieces in this game are chalky and let's, well, let's fucking onslaught it with five guys or yeah. same with the bills, right? Like last week where it's like, Oh, Diggs and Allen are going to be chalky. And it's like, but let's just toss Gabe and Khalil Shakur in there as well. And like how many times has he been, cause the ownership is like directionally accurate, right? Like this is a good team. This is a good game environment. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like I would, I should probably, you know, reevaluate. And it's like, it, yeah, you don't want to like, just eat it, but maybe it's going under or like going over it and leaning into the skid, so yeah. to speak. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I was also more talking about like the, the casual guy is just like, I mean, what can they, what tools do they have? Mm -hmm. Not a lot. Like they can just look at ownership stats high and be like, okay, so that I got to go under it. 
I mean, I can't see, like, I'm thinking like, what can you do? Okay. There's a lot of ownership. I'm going to go way over that. Like, uh, like you're just, then you're just like, you're just making a stand. You're not using any sort of Excel or tool or something. Right. Cause it, all you could do, and, and it's not the worst strategy in the world, um, uh, by the way, is cause uh, you thinking of ownership is just like a penalty against your player. It's not like the worst thing in the world to do. Like you go, okay, the more ownership, the less likely the, I just drop his points. Right. And then throw it in an optimizer. That's not the worst strategy in the world. You're probably not going to win at this point. Um, but like with that strategy, but like, you know, I just think that that's kind of what people are doing. There's, okay, here's some ownership and there's, there's a lot of ownership out there and they copy that, you know, they subscribe to these sites and then they steal their info. Right. And give it, give it out. I guarantee that I don't, you know, I pay for it. So I don't like a search for anyone else's content really, but I guarantee it's, it's out there. And if you, you know, you're just some young guy who's got no money, you're getting ETRs ownership and shit, you know, some one way or another. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me too, as my, you know, sanity check for these things, cause I don't have my own processes and stuff, but I can use, like I'll use run the Sims. And like one of the things in my spreadsheet is I'll have predict projected ownership and then the Sim rate. And then I have a column that shows like the difference. And it's a good sanity check for me of like fucking Cordero Patterson popping in the Sims relative to his ownership. Again, like the math says that over 10,000 lineups, he's appearing more than the field's willing to use them. And so like, that's the closest I can get. And I do that for the showdown slates that's as well of just having that that math sanity Reference. check outside of my hands. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think to people who are trying to improve or whatever, and they, they're doing that, that's, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's more than most people are doing. And I think a lot, I think you, you really want to get comfortable. Like, okay, how much ownership do I need? That, like, if you have a process where you're like going under, like Brian says, you, you could start playing with the models and saying, okay, well, does this make sense? I'm playing like 80% of this guy who's like supposed to be chalky. Maybe his ownership's too low go up, then regen, like go through this process of like that. It starts to make more sense to you in terms of like, it's not like, you know, like last week if Chris Godwin was like coming in and like 90% of your rosters, you're like, well, something's wrong with my process because he's obviously going to be popular and you could just raise his ownership, right? That would be a start. Yeah. And so like, it, sorry, Pete, but like if you, oh. so if you can develop a process similar like that, and then this is where you can go, in, in, in some way in measuring this, you could go, okay, I raised this guy's ownership's pretty high and I raised it because I really like him and I'm still getting him in a lot of lineups. He's a good fucking play. I'm going over, right? Yeah. Something like that. Now you're like, okay, well now I know why I'm going over on this guy and I even bumped yeah. him up. So he's got to be a good play, you know, something like that. Like at least you're doing something. Go ahead. That no, that that was exactly what I do. So one of the things with the showdown slates on Run the Sims is like you can put in the team level input, and I'll be like, let's play this as a blowout, like the the Raiders blowout, whatever. Oh, and let let me play it as they score ten points. They do nothing, and then it's like, holy shit, Devontae Adams is appearing across all of these different game scripts. It's like he's almost immune to whatever game. Okay, like this is a good play. I don't have to have a specific story, but again, that same idea of if every way you slice it, it still looks like a good play coming, coming around to it. Um, and, and I feel like chalk, right? Yeah. You good chalk. Or, or the owner, we haven't seen this year. That's that much this year, but the, there's going to be spots. I think it's going to happen this week where the supposed good chalk, everyone's going to come to this con conclusion with like Ramondre and whoever it's like, well, there's no failure rate here. You got to play it. Right. And it's, you're going to see it in like the 50, 60, 70% range of ownership and because everyone's going to come to that exact same conclusion. It almost happened with Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams and yeah. uh, Khalil Herbert a couple of weeks ago, but this is even more significant. So when all these things align where you you can't not play your guy, it then everyone's seeing the same thing. Then the ownership just gets completely out of control. So it's a weird little game. Yeah, that one. And that's again, like the just the little inputs that I like to look at is like value, ceiling, ownership and sim rate. And I'm even looking at the Ramondre Stevenson one for this week. You know, and it's like it's getting fringe of like, is this actually a must play? Because like you said, we will have that free square at some point where yeah. the 4,800 guy projects for 24 touches or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you are a fish if you don't play that. Ramondre is, is more probably in that like Jamal Williams, where it's like that price and the fail risk. You're, you're just a little confused where that falls. Yeah. And there's this thing I like to do with each individual player. I assign them like a kind of a field value in terms of what they like how the field likes them and like each player has their own guy like dj moore field hates him give him a one um uh, St. brown who's going on give him a five because he's like you know and so that will like affect the way that the ownership algorithm can like 
But anyways, you could do that internally in your head, like say, okay, what's the field think about Ramondre? Well, they fucking love him. And they, they, they're they on this huge run first team. And, you know, they just saw him go off and he's he's got all this preseason hype. And I, there's a lot of that that goes into, like James Robinson is another one. Like the field does kind of like him, like it, as a guy, like that kind of always gets overplayed. So you have to start looking at that like week to week and to see which guys are getting overplayed beyond what you would expect. And that then you can assign this internal algorithm that see like, what they uh how they get played can i can i answer the principle something i wanted to answer pete before but i didn't didn't get it in there is you can quantify all this if you if you know what you're doing and you have any experience not even that complicated you could quantify um steam you could quantify what etr's effect on the field is you could quantify your own internal guesses that ricky diaz and and then okay well how did my guests do and this it's not even that hard it's just a lot of work like it's a lot of like putting it all together, keeping your database going, you know, this is all annoying shit, which is why I like outsourcing whatever I can, as long as it's good enough, you know? Um, But you can't, you can do it. And um, some people are into that stuff and it's fun. They like seeing, you know, like, okay, what were my guesses? You know, what, what did this, uh, what did the steam play do? You know, you could even do like your 10 top 10 podcasts that you think are influential and just like there's their play of the week or whatever, you know, just put a one next to it and a zero for everyone else, right? In your regression. And this will tell you a whole lot of inf- information on just what that podcast team play does. You know, I've never done this, but I know that would work. Um, you know, so, and yeah. These, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so you're right. It's a lot of work. And for like a guy like um, Pete here and like a lot of guys like him, like it's just so there. The risk reward is just so not there. You know, it's oh, like. Yeah you're not going to like really get anything out of these micro like little adjustments to your like algorithm. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it plays itself over like like 150 round of rosters in like many different buy-ins and blah, 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 over the, over the course of a yeah. career type thing. But each week, I think having one or two like kind of sharp takes on where the field's going is probably going to be good enough. Like if it, Pete, if you could just be like, how valuable would it be to like know the Rashad pennies and the James Robinsons every week? Like that would be just enough. Right. Right. And I was thinking about that for you and for you guys thinking of, is it worth your time? Right. Where it's like for you guys, like if the volume you're playing, if you're over going massively overweight on a Rashad Penny week where you're then wrong about the ownership, like that could be a significantly costly mistake to your portfolio. Obviously the, the results, you know, hit, but still that could be. And so it is, I bet it's even hard for you guys to quantify is it worth putting that time and knowing that there are weeks where it could really swing things for you? Well, it always, I mean, theoretically, if you are improving your, you know, chances every week, like it's always worth your time like it, at the scale that Brian and I play or whoever else, but um, yeah, you really have to be accurate. That's the problem. And the times when you're not accurate is massively costly. And I, you know, I, I think Leone, like someone was saying, he was like way off in the bills ownership. He was like killing himself in chat all day. That's like me. Like when you're wrong on ownership and that's the reason you make a play, like that's, that's really hard to swallow because it's not like you didn't like the play or you did like the play. It's like, you just didn't get the ownership right. And that's like a weird feeling. You're like, what the hell was that? You know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's not even about the play anymore. It's just about who's playing. And I will also say from, from my perspective too, like there is like, it's fun to talk about these things. Like I know for Brian, he doesn't want to have decisions. He's not doing content, you know, three, four times a week about it. Like talking about these spots is what is interesting and fun for people trying to guess what the field's going to do, trying to guess where the pivots after the pivots are. And I get that it seems galaxy brainy. The micro edges are probably really thin there, but it is also the puzzle piece nature of all this that people enjoy kind of wrestling with all week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really quick. The, the, uh, Another reason besides just not wanting to make decisions, and this is just kind of basis of statistical research, is we're often wrong, right, with our biases and all sorts of things. You know, Kahneman writes about it. We, I'm sure we've all read Thinking Fast and Slow and all these type of reasons for using this more methodical approach and then just living with it and then hoping over time uh, that's the that's close the closest you could get. Like, but I acknowledge obviously that these petty thefts and Ricky D's exist and they're adjusting from their gut level better than I, you know, better than I, I just know I couldn't, I'm not interested in doing that. Maybe I could, but I'm not, you know, a hungry 22 year old kid anymore. Yeah. Right. I'm just not, I got, you know, I could go you got, in my, you got going in my hot tub after this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, 
I understand those people exist. I just like, um, and I'm not also out like where you just said, I'm not uh, like, clearly no one's going to do that little regression analysis. I just suggested maybe somebody, will, but like it, it's a specific type of person that that would help. I'm just saying it's possible. I, I just want to speak on that one for to one second. This is more of like a, take a step back about I, I, um, the reason why we're doing all this. It's like, for me, like, I really can't compete at like a high level in this without like giving my soul to it and like really being into the things Pete's talking about and like listening to the podcast and kind of like thinking along with them and, and kind of coming up with my own takes and, and like, and back testing them and getting things right. And like, and then seeing the results obviously is nice too, but like, I can't do it like you, Brian, where it's like, ah, oh, I'm just, you know, just going to like, I, I trust my process and that's good enough. And I don't really care if I win or lose. It's like, I'm just this robot and like, yeah, I know, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's some, like, there's some level of like my, like for me to have meaning and care about this, I really need to like live it and, um, and to be good at it. Like, if, cause I've definitely taken time where I'm like, ah, I'm just not going to try that hard this week. I'm drinking at a wedding or something or like, you know, I, and I just don't try and I, I just, I can't commit that same level of effort. And then I might have results show. I, I like this. I mean, this is going to be off topic, but like, I'm a determinist like that where, like, I think you can't control that shit. Like I, I like get obsessed with things and then I'll do it every day for years and then I'll just drop it and never do it again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't think you control it any way. You can't will it into existence, that type of behavior and the obsession you need to be good at, you know, where you're competing against all these smart fucking guys. Um, so like, I just think like, you just got to deal with the card you're dealt. Like I was super obsessed with DFS and like, like I still am. But just on a different level now, like, it's not going to be because I can't I'm not into it. I'm not into like listening to a million podcasts and then figuring out what that means and shit. Yeah, I'm I mean, making extra decisions on top of the decisions I already made. I'm not into it. And I don't think I could will that into existence. And I think people who think they can are full of shit. Even when it happens, I think it happens for reasons you can't control. But that's it, not really here or there. It is. Again, too, like, you know, I drafted a shit ton of basketball teams this summer and it was much easier for me to be more emotionless with it. Like I was not galaxy braining. I was sticking within ADP. I had my structure and it's like, oh, someone took a player. I like, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do another draft. I'm going to just draft it. Whereas with the DFS element, it is, it's like, all right, this is my one or two lineups. I'm going to fucking review them on stream tomorrow and I'm going to have to wallow in the shit regardless. And it's like there, it is hard. Um, when you do have um, not as much volume or as many reps at something um, you, you just get more naturally tied into it emotionally. Yeah. I just think it's a good, I don't know. I, I always try to like, I've really struggled with this for the past few years of just trying to find like what you're doing in your life and then trying to find like why you're doing it and not to get too far into that, but like, I don't know, like Brian, like you seem like you're, you know, this is the sort of natural progression when people start to like take a step down or like away from things. And it's really hard to give up edges and models and, and systems and everything. But like, once you lose that passion, don't you find it kind of feel like I, you might call me out on bullshit here, but like don't, you lose that like eternal fire and you're just going through the motions. Like there's sort of a natural end to it. Where does it go from there? What's next? That's a good question. I don't know, but of course that happens. Right. I mean, it, be a fool to deny it. And it's going to happen to you too, probably. Oh, it's happened to me many times. That's why I had to drop like NBA and some of these other sports. Like it just was just way too much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I do think DF, I don't know, this is going to contradict kind of what your approach is, but I do think DFS in certain sports, especially like the, the more non NFL ones or maybe non NBA ones, you could develop a process where you could click a button and still make some money. You know, yeah, it's MLB 100% for sure. So, um, you don't need like deep passion, but like also, like it's also good because every step you improve your process, you get to keep that. Like, so shit I thought about seven years ago still counts today, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, um, you know, if you're just building on top, you know, which is why I like using the way I do it is because everything can build on top of each other. I can't build on top of knowing the fucking quarterback matches seven years ago. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, you know, right. This astrology bro bullshit. Um, so like, uh, you know, I, I was right about the going over on James Robinson five years ago. Like, how does that help me now? You know? So 
you know, maybe you were maybe you were right and you were really dialed in in, in twenty seventeen, but you fucking suck now. Like, how do you know? You know, so like, but like the, the you know the reg- you know the regression study I did before informs what I do now, and I could update it and save all that shit and save the code and save the Excel sheets mm-hmm. and stuff like that and, and build on top of it. And I don't have to be as uh, you know motivated, but you know, yeah being super motivated would be way better because I'd be putting into, you know, uh, uh, 80 uh, hours. 80 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Man. What, what, what for you, Ricky, obviously you are playing to win, you're playing to make money, but outside of that element, what is the process of DFS that like brings you joy? Do you like get excited to roll up your sleeves, put in the new numbers for the week or like, I do. I really do. I mean, it's a, it's a thing I've gone back and forth on and tried to hide from at times, but like, you know, like when the pandemic hit, I think I talked about this on the show once, but the pandemic hit, we didn't have anything to gamble on. And I started to like really ask myself, like what was meaningful to me and what was I was getting joy out of life and all that. And like, and then I was like, well, you know, maybe gambling was a you know frivolous chase, you know, fleeting this, it was bad for you, blah, blah, blah. It's bad for your brain. I was trying to get like more, act- I'm, I'm still doing this, but like just getting more active outdoor, getting healthy and, and just trying to find like what is actually meaningful in your life. But then like, when I get back in the saddle, especially with the NFL, and I roll up my sleeves and I get that new gen, I see, and I start to manipulate my ownerships and do my little field takes and all that type of shit. And I, I start, you know, I hear, you know, the the friendly faces on on Swolecast every Wednesday. Um, I just, you know, it's just a little like spark inside me that just feels nice and warm, and it's just a comfort thing, and it's something that's like I don't know, like uh, I don't know, I, there's like just the whole range of emotions like that you get from the start the finished process and that, that you get to really enjoy the, the fruits of your labor when you get to watch the games and everything. I don't know. It's just, it's something I've come to accept myself. <laughs> it's like, it's just part of me that I really enjoy. Um, and it's not meaningless that it's just because you're trying to make money or it's just like, what are you doing exactly? You're manipulating numbers on the spreadsheet. It's meaningful to me because I enjoy it. That's all I care about. What about for you, Brian? Like, let's just say that you did the exact same work, your exact same process, but let's say you had like no entertainment or sweat equity out of it. Like, let's say it was, I don't know, fucking dog racing in Puerto Rico and these were the numbers or whatever you did. Like, is there any entertainment? Is there any kind of emotional element to you? Or are you literally (laughs) just making money and you don't give a shit? I like the MMA. Okay. Sometimes golf Sundays are fun. Uh, I like red zone. I still watch red zone, but that is in co- combination with DFS and gambling that I think yeah. I like that so much. I wouldn't watch red zone if I didn't play fantasy. There's no fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's an element of it too. Like you can take it too far. Obviously if you're like living and dying and you know, every like decision and like, you know, like that's, I definitely have been like that in the past. Um, like when you get your like a first millimaker sweat or something, it's really it's 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 like holy shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, now you now you've had like you know a bunch of them. You're like, well, okay, it's the same thing as it's like what it's just like a few versus many. Yeah. And, Here comes um, the bullshit. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like with showdown, you're like, yeah, don't even fucking yeah. watch the. Here the, comes ridiculous. the bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, I, I mean, like you, but Brian, you have to feel like thankful that you get to do, like you get to oh, yeah. speculate on sports for a living. Like that, that's a yeah. good gig. I think that's a little commie uh, propaganda talk in Ricky D's head that he needs to get rid of that, you know, <laughs> we're, we just, we just work, we're just a cog in the entertainment industry. You know, some guy who makes a set in Hollywood is his life meaningless and stuff. You know, I think a lot of this stuff is bullshit. You know, you work for Apple or whatever, like, yeah. Okay. Like what, you know, you're a marketing guy for Apple. Like, Oh wow. Great fucking job. You know, like I think most people's jobs aren't like this, bang, you know? bang. but that's, 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 you know, that doesn't mean that your life can't, have like greater meaning, right? That just means that other people also suck too, right? Like manipulating my numbers on the spreadsheet doesn't like, is never going to check the box of like, all right, meaningful life for me, even though it's, it's still fun. But seriously, you could look at most of your friends' jobs and they're all and like, the most of them are bullshit. Yeah, of course. I mean, life so is like, mostly bullshit. We're just filling yeah. the void. Here. I don't think there's anything wrong with seeking, you know, however you see fit you know, a better life for yourself or a happier life for yourself. But like, I mean, I basically do exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it for the Oakland A's uh, as, you know, (laughs) assistant GM. Yeah. But I'm doing it for myself and it happens to be in gambling. And like, I know it's, it's stupid to most people, but like, I do like, I talk about like star Wars and fucking nerd shit that I like with Davis every now and again. 
And like after every show, I go, I tell Davis, I'm like, isn't this fucking great? Like we get to fucking talk about sports. You never say that to me after this. Can you imagine telling yourself when you were 18? I didn't miss the joke. What was it? I said you'd never say that to me after our shows. (laughs) That's because he's like, I gotta go. I got another show. Sorry, loser. Go watch your fucking Star Wars, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He just fucking alphas me after every show, bullies the shit out of me. Damn, it's spreadsheet nerd. Well, I, gotta I go. think there's also there's also something to having a routine that you enjoy too. Like I was listening to a podcast with Sean D, high stakes poker grinder, and he's like, I just live for this shit. Like he's like, it's actually bad for my mental health when I don't get to go get a poker session in. And it was almost yeah. like the routine. Like he's probably not seeing a lot of new spots that are that interesting for him, but there's just something about having a routine that you don't hate that's covering. And I feel fortunate in that regard too. Like I get excited to do the shows, to get ready for the DFS slate. It's like. I I'm thankful that I have a routine that I don't hate. I, there's, there's definitely something to be said for that. You can't really deny that whatever that routine has developed into it's meaningful and it's, it's, it's passing the, the check boxes for you. Yeah. But like, I mean, come on, like compared to like, didn't you guys have real jobs? Like I fucking had real jobs and they fucking sucked balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know. Think he was born it's, with a silver spoon. This guy never had a real job in his life. Like I mean, Pete's was. a double coastal elite, so he has no idea what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, are you about. Kidding? I was grinding away. I was the marketing for Apple, but a, a far less successful company than Apple. I was that guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I mean, like construction and shit, like, you know, delivering pizzas, like fucking having that asshole boss and there's nothing you can do about it. Like just that, not having that. Like we're f- so lucky. So like – uh, again, like I do not, I'm not condemning like a search for meaning in your life, but I, I do like, like, uh, I don't know. And, you know, obviously I'm biased, but like this, this like gambling is gambling so bad and all this shit, like go fuck yourself. Like it's, it's, enter- <laughs> it's entertainment. It's just part of fucking and, and people have different subjective values for things they enjoy. You know what I mean? So like you can, you can blow me. It's a consensual fucking, uh, entertainment product product we're not you know doing anything where's the cog in that entertainment world of sports yeah. no it's, i tell, i mean you can't deny that obviously i mean i i would totally agree with you there i just think that there's it's it's an individual thing that's all about what you value yeah uh, sure don't let the commies get to you don't let the commies get to you you know this you're a liberty yeah. bro you know this of course of uh, course Ricky, we're about to land the plane, but were there any other yep. burning topics you wanted to get off your chest? Anything that we didn't I, get to? Yeah, I did have a few. I was going to try to shit on the run pure guys as much as possible, but I didn't really get to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, we got to hear. We got to hear something about run pure. You got to hear. Do you, have, you have dupe thoughts? Dupe thoughts? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't even know what I was going to say, but. I just find their process quite hilarious, and I honestly, it, it, I, I grind through their content every week, and it just. It's just it's just fascinating to me that they think well. I'm not really actually. You know what? I'm not gonna really get into it. I decided because it's it's too much. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting di- dichotomy between their existence, so seemingly being able to win every now and then, and like the exact opposite. And um, you know that's how that's how close the edges are in this game, really. Yeah, I think they had a rough go of it enough, just getting you know massive upsets in the DFS tout. Oh, could, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's nice that you're taking it easy on them today. Uh, <laughs> anything else uh, in the in the DFS uh, topic chamber? I feel like we hit a lot of the hot button issues. Yeah, no, that was that was one. That was the, the main one there, and um, I just was going to let it. Should we should we do a Tout Wars second bracket with like additional sixteen that were on? I was thinking a, a nice matchup would be Vegas Dave and Randone. <laughs> is Randone a tout? Is this someone this said he was on a run a tout? Is Ethan Gate a tout? Who cares? No, no, no. That was that was poor choices. Yeah. Well, here's what you do. We talked about hiring the content mule, Brian. What you really just need is an assistant, and then they can administer the this large field bracket. They can listen to all the podcasts for you. I think that's what you need. Why can't someone who liked it do it, and then we'll retweet it? Oh wow! Now you want free labor. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, well, Ricky, yeah, we you. appreciate you uh, coming on as always. You always have an yeah. open invite to swing by the show. Yeah, yeah. You have to come. Uh, you have to come a little more frequently. I think that was too long a uh, break. You need okay. to make regular Lowell's appearance. Yeah, was, but but was, win a millie was, first before. I, that's, I, I was just about to say. I've been trying. I've been trying really hard to win a millie. I thought I'd wait till that happens and I have like something to brag about, some little clout. Hasn't happened yet, so we'll see. Pete, Pete's actively trying to dupe in showdowns now, so he could claim a milli where you win yeah. like eight hundred dollars, you know, and split yeah. with two thousand people. Have you, the, not, the, the have you not seen my new shirt? Uh, oh my wow! Yeah, uh, don't do don't dupe me, bros. Out. It's now. Please uh, dupe me, bro. It's, <laughs> it's 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 it might be the only way to win now. Who knows? That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. We're trying everything, and we've done astrology around here. I'm trying duping. I'm going to try mm-hmm. to have meaningful relationships. Like I'm really trying anything at this yeah. point. Wow. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. As always, podcast feed will be up. I got to end this show so I can big time Brian and immediately <laughs> ditch him once the stream ends. Thank you to Ricky D for hopping on. We'll see you guys next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.